Father, I do. I just thank you for this privilege. I thank you for the opportunity to just to get up here in front of these beautiful people and share the word that you've laid on my heart. God, I just pray that the words that I speak are not words of myself, but they're words from the Holy Spirit and from you, and they'll go deep into the hearts of everyone that hears it, those that are here and those that are watching by live stream. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll tell you, I'll be brief today. I always take it serious when my pastors ask me to get up and share the word on a Sunday morning or whenever. And I always recognize I've got some big shoes to fill. To follow Pastor Albert and Pastor Scott is just huge. But Pastor Scott has just finished a series that just really ministered to me so much. New Life Now was a series that he, he just finished. I'll talk to you after service, brother. <laughs> but uh, it's a service that he just finished, a series that he just finished, and it just really ministered to me. We, Johnny's and I lead a home life group on Thursday nights here at Generations Church in the green room, and we have a fantastic group. I'm just going to give our home lifers now a big shout out because you guys are just great. And Johnny's and I were talking about it last night, how much we're getting out of that. But we've been talking about this New Life Now series that Pastor Scott did. And it really, it's, it's kind of a simple truth, but it just goes deep into your heart and to your soul about what God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has done for each and every one of us. How much He loved us. You know, I think he ended with John 3, 16. And I just love that verse of Scripture. But it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, and you think about it, that's a simple truth. We learned that verse of scripture since we were little kids in, in church growing up, and we've heard it all of our life, but it is so powerful to know that God loves us so much that he was willing to give his son. And it goes on to verse 17, says, he didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him, talking about Jesus Christ, might be saved. That series that Pastor Scott just finished really spoke a lot to me. And I was thinking, and I've been a Christian many, many years, but it, but it just, I took it as something brand new and something fresh for me. He said, God, I have a new life now. So what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with this new life now? And a lot of you in the same position I am. You've been Christians for many, many years. You've been serving the Lord for so many years. But when you take that series and you look at it and say, okay, I've got a new life now. What am I going to do with it? It benefits, that new life benefits me personally because Jesus Christ loved me. It's going to benefit those around me. And I'm going to, that's what I'm going to focus on today. It's going to benefit those around me because I'm going to recognize that Jesus Christ loves them, God loves them, as much as he loves me. So that new life now, oh, Steph, I'm sorry, you can put the slide up. <laughs> that new life now has ministered so much to me, and now what am I going to do with it? I'm going to take that new life now, because of what Christ has done for me. I'm going to become a better person. Now I'm going to go out, and I'm going to do something with it. I'm going to make a difference in somebody's life. Stephanie, the next slide. I'm going to talk about evangelism. Now, when you mention that word evangelism, I tell you, it does cause a lot of fear in people. 
people start thinking about, oh, evangelism, because it has such a bad connotation to it for so many years. And, and there's a lot of reasons why, and we're going to talk about some of those. But it strikes fear in people, but it's not scary. When you think about, okay, I've got to go out and evangelize. God expects me to go out and evangelize. I'm a little bit nervous about that. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I'm capable of doing that. Evangelism, witnessing, and sharing has a horrible image. Many reasons why. One of them is when we think about, and we think about evangelism, we think about the guy on the street corner with a sign up that says, you're going to go to hell. And he has a bullhorn and he's shouting out, repent, repent, repent. That's the first image that comes to most people's mind when you think about witnessing or evangelism or the guy that knocks on the door when you're trying to eat dinner and they sit there and they want to share, you know, something with you and, and they're being kind of rude and pushy. Those are the things that, those are the images that we have, you know, about evangelism. It strikes fear in people's hearts. It has this connotation of being pushy, agenda-driven, slick, and salesman-like. I'll tell you what I think has hurt Christianity a lot is these TV preachers. A lot of them are good. Many of them are good. I'm not judging all of them, but some of them, all they're looking for is money. All they want is your money. And so they're a little bit pushy about it. And so when, you, when people think about evangelism, the first thing they think about is the guy on the corner with a sign, or they might think about that preacher that's sit there and saying, send me your money, send me your money. And God will do this miracle for you. God will do a miracle for you because he loves you. You know, that's why he'll do a miracle for you because you're his child and he loves you. That's why he does the miracle for you. It says in 2 Timothy 2.24, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. That guy on the, with the bullhorn, you're going to go to hell, repent, repent, repent. Now, John the Baptist and Peter did that in the, in the, in the New Testament. And they were effective at it. They were effective doing something. They didn't have a bullhorn. But they were effective in ministering to people and being kind of con confrontational to them. We're going to talk about confrontational evangelism in a second. But the God's Word says, You must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not be resentful. Stephanie, the next slide. So I was thinking about our new life now my new life now, what God is going to expect of me and what he's going to require of me as I recognize what he's, his son has done for me. So what I'm going to do is that we prepare to share the good news of what Christ has and is doing in our life. We have so much to share. God has done so much in John Alexander's life from the time that I've known him that I can't even begin to put it down. He's done so much in my life. That there should be no fear about sharing that good news. Because the gospel, evangelism, is just simply that. You understand what God has done for you through his son Jesus Christ. And then you go out and you share that with somebody else. You know, and we're going to give you some ways to do that here in a few seconds. But that's what it's all about. We're prepared, prepared to tell others about the hope that is in us. Our new life brings hope. Our new life brings encouragement so that we can encourage others. Shouldn't be any fear in sharing the good news because it's something that we live and something that we experience. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 it says, but you will, look at this, you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. He didn't say you might receive power or you might go witness. He said you will receive power. The power to witness is already inside of you. The power to be an effective witness and sharing the gospel, sharing the good news with somebody is right inside you right now. You have it. And all you have to do is just begin to develop a relationship with somebody and then open up your mouth. And here's what God did for me. Hey, this is what I was in my prayer time today. This is what God spoke to me and shared with me. So you just open up your mouth. We got to take seriously what it says in Acts, in the end of, in, end of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that we are disciples called to witness and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Next slide, Stephanie. So you don't need to cringe when you, somebody says, I want you to go out and share the gospel or evangelize. You don't need to cringe about it because all we do is announce the good news and our new life that we have now. It's God, it's good people sharing the good news of Jesus in a good way, a positive way. We're going to talk about the different styles of evangelism and the different uh, forms of it in just a few moments. But I want you to recognize this. Evangelism is easy because it's you sharing your story with somebody else. That's all that it is. You sharing your story. It's got to be relational. It's got to be done in a way that seeks to build bridges instead of building walls. I mean, build bridges instead of, tearing, instead of building walls. I'm sorry. But you've got to build bridges as you begin to seek and begin to talk to other people. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. They're going to tell you the next slides. Ten things evangelism is and it isn't. I hope this helps you and I pray that it's going to help you. But the first thing about evangelism, it's not supposed to be complicated. We make it complicated. We make it complicated because our first thought is the guy on the street corner or the, or the pushy preacher on television. So we make it complicated. We think we've got to memorize all the Gospels and Romans, you know, and it just, you know, that's not true. You don't have to have all those scriptures memorized. All you've got to do is be willing to go out and share what God has done for your life. There's three people in the New Testament that you can look to and saw how they evangelized and how many people that they reached. And they didn't memorize all the scriptures. They didn't have a great opportunity to walk with Jesus Christ for years like we have. You know, it was the blind man that Jesus healed. What did he do? He left, when Jesus healed his eyes, he went and began to shout at the people and tell people, I can see now. I couldn't see a few moments ago, but I can see now because of this man, Jesus Christ, the blind man. He was a fantastic evangelist. And all he did was share what God did for him, what Jesus Christ had did for him. How about the man that had the, had the demons? When Jesus Christ set him free, we all have demons in our life. God has, all, has set us free from them. Shouldn't we go out and tell somebody? He did. The demon-possessed man went and told his friends. He said, you knew me in the past. You knew how I was and how tormented I was. And now you can see the peace in my, in my life right now. That's what people want to know. Your life used to be like this. And all of a sudden you're like this. So why is it different? Jesus Christ made it different. 
How about the, the lady, the Samaritan at the well? When Jesus Christ sat down with her, began to unfold before her her very life, who she was, how she was living. And then he set her free. She went and told people. That's the three people in the New Testament that were great evangelists. They didn't have a long-term relationship with Christ. They didn't wait until they memorized the Gospels and Romans. They sit there and said, you know what? Jesus made such a difference in my life. I'm going to go make a difference in somebody else's life. It's not supposed to be complicated. Number two, it's not supposed to be born out of guilt. You know, we don't go out and share evangelism because, you know, we just think, well, Jesus did this for me, so I got to pay him back now. No, he did this for you because he loves you. You don't do it out of guilt. You don't go out and witness to somebody or share the gospel with somebody, the good news out of guilt. You do it out of love. You do it out of compassion. You do it out of love for what Christ did for you. And then you do it out of love for that person because you want to see the same opportunity that you have that they could have. So you do it out of love. It's not supposed to be born out of guilt. It's not supposed to be a respond to, internal, to external pressure. I'm not pressuring you today to go evangelize. I'm pressuring you today to just look into yourself and say, what did God do in my life? What did he do for me? And shouldn't I be sharing that? There's no pressure here. It should be done out of love and out of compassion. Jesus releases us and sends us out to share. Any motivation that is not from God or godly is not a good motivation. You've got to have the Spirit of God inside you, the Holy Spirit in you, and you've got to want to share it with somebody. But you don't do it to external pressure. The next one, number four, and, I, and this, you know, the people in the sound booth didn't make these slides. I did, so you can see some errors in them. You, can, you can't blame them. You can blame me. But that next one, it says it's not bullying. It's coercing. I can't even say it. Coursing or convincing. It's not correcting. That's not the right word. You know, our job is not to convince people to have a relationship with Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our, our job is just to tell them. This is what God did for me. This is what Christ did for me. Our role is to present and proclaim Christ. That's what our role is. What we do is we pray, we care about the people, and then we go share. And that's, we'll talk more about that in just a little bit later. Number five, evangelism is not the marketing of a local church. You heard me talk about Generation Church earlier. This is the best church in this community. Best church around America, I think. That's why I've been here for so long. Great pastors then and now <laughs> with, with, with Pastor Scott and uh, Mel. It's a great church. But I don't evangelize and share the gospel to, to build Generations Church. I do that to build the kingdom of God. Now, once I share the kingdom of God, once I share the gospel and they accept Jesus Christ, I can tell them, look, you don't have a local church to go to. I got one for you. And I'm going to invite you to come and be a part of this local body because you can't find a better church to be a part of than Generations Church. But you don't do it to build this church. We don't do it, to, you know, we don't invite, we, we talked about back to church Sunday and we made a point to say, don't get somebody that's going to a local church already where they're being fed and bring them over here. That's not how you build God's kingdom. Our job is to build God's kingdom first. 
But you go get somebody who's unsaved or who's wandered away from the local church. And those are the people that you invite to come and be a part of our great church. So when you think about evangelism, it's not marketing of Generations Church. It's the marketing of the kingdom of God, which does begin to help generations because you get them saved. They don't go to church. You invite them and you bring them in. Next slide, Stephanie. Evangelism is not to critique other religions, other churches, or other church leaders. It's important. You know, we don't waste our time talking about something that we are not. We take our time and talk about what Christ has done for us. I don't go out and judge other people, other churches, other church leaders, other religions. You know, you'll never win that. You just turn people off when you start talking about that. You turn them off. But when you start telling them about what Christ has done for you, that begins to begin to bring them in. Bring them in and say, oh, did he do that for you? Will he do that for me? Yes, he will. He loves you as much as he loves me. So that's what we do. We bring them in. And we don't just waste our time talking about what we're not. We spend time sharing who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Number seven it is about more than technique. Now, I like technique. I love techniques. See this little pen here? <laughs> when I was a youth minister here, I used a lot of techniques to get teenagers to go out and to witness to their friends and to share the gospel. This was one of them. This little idea, of the, it's called a red button. You wear it and people will say, what's that red button for? You know, and you say, that red button, you see the cross on it? Jesus Christ died for me. He gave his blood for me that I can have a, a life to go forward and live fullest. I mean, I just have a little thing that, you know, we talk about evangelism. And it was a little thing that you could unfold. It told the story about man's separation from God because of sin. How God wanted to have a relationship with us. You flip through this thing. I wish I could have found it. Because we took them to Mexico. I mean, we took them to Guatemala one time. And had the young people go out. We showed them how to use it. Had them share their, the gospel with, uh, with people then in Guatemala. But you just unfold it. And it begins to build the story between the separation of man because of sin and God's love for us. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who built that bridge and brought us back in. Techniques are good. On my phone, I have several apps. Dare to Share. A lot of this material came from Dare to Share, by the way. Greg Steer at Dare to Share has done a fantastic job. He reaches young people, but he also reaches adults, giving them the tools to go out and evangelize. But one of the tools that he has, it's called uh, Life in Six Words. Tells you, a young person tells all of us, how do you build a relationship with somebody? He said, you do it by beginning to listen to them. You, you meet them, you begin to listen to them. You ask questions. You let them respond. You don't knock down their responses. You always find something positive in their responses. Then you ask more questions. And then you begin to share. It's called Life in Six Words. He also, there's another app that I have called Got Questions. You open up this app, there's hundreds of questions that you might get asked if you're out there trying to witness to somebody. And so you can take the time to go through those and look at those questions and here's the responses and the scripture associated with those responses. It's called Got Questions. You can use social media. I think social media should be used 
to advance the kingdom of God. You know, you ought to be using Instagram and Facebook and all of those things to begin to introduce your friends to Jesus Christ and to share what he's done with you. But there's an app that I have on, on my computer that I want to share with this little video with you. Stephanie, show that video. It's called Bless Every Home. Watch this video. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees. We can use the technology of today and use it as a harvest tool to reach souls for Christ. And now we have this incredible tool, blesseveryhome.com. We're taking the latest consumer data and merging it with current mapping technology to pray for every single person in our community by name. Sign up free at blesseveryhome.com and you'll receive a map and list of your neighbors along with the tools to pray for them by name, care for, and share the gospel with them. The ease of use and convenience has literally taken away every excuse that we could possibly come up with for why we can't engage the Lord on our neighbor's behalf. There's also the ability to print out a list of names if you don't even have a computer. You can even highlight your pray, care, share journey with each neighbor home using the colored icon. Red means you are praying for that home. Yellow shows you know each other by name and you are caring for them. Choose green when you are actively sharing the gospel. Make the home blue when those neighbors are active disciples of Christ. Each neighbor home has its own journal. You can also choose to receive scheduled reminder emails with the next five neighbor homes to pray for that day. Your members will see their neighborhood in a whole new light. What are we waiting on? The harvest is now. Our prayer is that every single home in America is being prayed for by name. You'll never reach any more people than you pray for. If every believer would get behind Bless Every Home, we could see a revival in America beyond all we could hope, think, or imagine. Join Bless Every Home and see how prayer can change your community. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. Bless, bless Every Home is a free app. You can get it on your phone, get it on your computer. I suggest that you get it. It gives you the list. It does it Monday through Friday. I don't know why they do it on Saturday and Sunday, but it Monday through Friday. And they'll send you a list of your neighbors by address and by name that you can pray for and a suggested prayer to pray for them. And then it'll begin to expand. It started out with the people close to us, close to me around my house. Then it starts going a couple of blocks around. And that way you get to meet your neighbors. You can actually go to their house, call them by name, and say, I'm praying for you. you know, or take one of these to them. What is this? You recognize this? We did Back to Church Sunday a couple of weeks ago. Back to Church Sunday was not just that one day. Back to Church Sunday is every single Sunday. And you should take these invite cards. This is a great little tool, great little technique that you, all you have to do is go up to somebody using the Bless, Bless My Home app, go up to their house, give them a card and say, hey, if you go, if you go to a church, go to your church. But if you don't, come to Generations. I just wanted, you know, to see the difference that this church is making in our community and what we're doing. It's a great little tool that you can use. So evangelism is not, it's, it's more than just technique. It's sharing the good news with somebody, but you can use techniques to help you get there. Number eight, it does not begin from a position of superiority. 
You know, we're not better than somebody else. We don't, we're not better than somebody I like what Spurgeon says. Spurgeon says this about evangelism. He says that evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's all that it is. It's us telling them how they can find Jesus Christ because what he's done for us. We're not better than them just because we're a Christian and Jesus has saved us. We're not better than anybody. But we just go forward and share the gospel. Number nine, it's not supposed to be unloving. Evangelism exists in love because of, of God's love toward us. It's a loving, something that we do lovingly. You know, I was thinking the other day about what's going on in Afghanistan. The reason I'm wearing this, I was in the Marine Corps and I support the Marines, but the reason I wanted to wear this shirt today is everything that's happening over in Afghanistan right now. You know, there was many Marines that lost their life a couple of days ago. And so we got to pray for them and pray for their families. And I'm so in support of them by wearing my Marine Corps shirt because I was in that, in that particular branch. But I was thinking about the Taliban. You know, God loves them as bad as they are. God still loves them. God wants to have a relationship with them. Now, it's easy for us to automatically hate them for what they're doing. But you know what? We need to pray for them. Pray for their salvation. Pray that they'll have a relationship with Jesus Christ and that God would send somebody that can help reach them. That's everybody. God loves everybody in this world. He doesn't just sit there and say, oh, that group, I don't like them, so just leave them out. He sent his son to die for every one of us. Everyone. So, you know, it's easy to hate. But we need to pray. Pray for them. Pray for them because evangelism is love. It's love in action. Number 10, it's not an activity, but a way of life. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. And don't wait to do it and say, Yo, okay, I've got everything memorized now. I went through all those got questions and I went through all 600 questions and I got them <laughs> memorized. You don't have to do that. You just go out and share what God has done for you. There's a formula for evangelism. Uh, Stephanie, the next slide, I'm going to quickly go through this. The formula for evangelism is prayer, care, and sharing. You got to have a broken heart, bent knees, and an open mouth. A broken heart for the loss. Recognize that everyone without Jesus Christ is lost. So I got to have a broken heart for that. Then I get on my knees and I pray for boldness, for let me go out and speak. I pray for people that I know by name who don't have a relationship with Christ. I pray for them by name. I lift them up before the Lord. And then I have other people begin to pray for them as well by name. Pray for the loss. Pray for the right words to speak when you go to them. And then you got to just open your mouth. You open your mouth and you share what Christ has done for you and what he wants to do for them. Proverbs 3.27 says it this way. It says, do not withhold good from those who deserves it. Everyone deserves it. Everyone deserves a relationship with Christ. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. When it, is your, when it is within your power to act, now is the time to act. Don't wait for another opportunity. You act now. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll give it to you tomorrow. When you now have it within you. It's inside you. It wants to come out. 
And it wants to be something that you can share with others. Stephanie, the next slide. John 15, my new life now, when I was thinking about my new life now, what Pastor Scott had shared, my new life now makes a difference in somebody else's life. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me. I chose you and, look at this, appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. Who God appoints, he equips. You've been equipped to go out and share the gospel. And then Matthew 15, uh, Matthew 5, 14 and 16, through 16 says, We are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's inside us. Don't just keep it dormant there. Go do something with it and share it with others. The very next slide, I'm going to go through these two real quickly. I said six forms of evangelism. This is my mistake. There's only three. And you can say praise God because I'm going to tell you what they are. It's present evangelism. That's simply God in us. That's our life. Our life is present evangelism. You know, and we just something that we live. When you live a life holy before the Lord, it's going to, people are going to inquire and say, what's going on in you? What's different about you? All this stuff going on in the world, you have a peace inside you? Why? How do you have a peace about that? So that's present evangelism, God in us. Proclamation evangelism is just sharing the good news. In 1 Peter 3, 15, it says, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Look at this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. That's proclamation evangelism. It's what I'm talking about so much today. Just going out and sharing. And then the last one is power evangelism. That's sign and wonders. And I believe when Pastor Albert you know, prayed over the storm, Ida over in, in Louisiana, and I believe, and my faith is there, that that thing is going to just, you know, just leave and go away, not cause any damage. Look at the opportunity. Your friends that you have in Louisiana, if they don't know Christ, when, they, when you can tell them and call them up and say, look, Generations Church, we prayed for you. And we prayed, prayed that that storm would leave and not affect you. And so that's a great opportunity. That sign and wonders that you can begin to show them the power of God that, they, that is there. It's evident of it. So be quick to do that. T.L. Osborne says it this way. It is the gospel of the kingdom preached in the power of God that always produces the greatest evangelistic triumphs in any generation. Power evangelism. Next slide, there's six styles to you. Confrontational, doesn't work that great. You're not going to win somebody by arguing with them. Now, if you have a strong, strong, strong relationship with that person, you can use confrontational evangelism, but usually it doesn't work unless you've got that strong relationship with them. Like I said, John the Baptist and Peter used it a lot, and it worked for them. Because that's what God told them to do and what he, God told them to say. But in most times, it doesn't work. Intellectual, reasoning, and questioning. But you've got to be prepared for the, and be ready. It's going to take you a long time to convince somebody. I wouldn't suggest using that one unless the Holy Spirit tells you to use it. But be prepared if you use it. It could be a long haul. And be in there. Don't give up. Just keep pushing. Testimonial. What God has done in me. That's the one I'm talking about. And relational, that's the best. That's the other one I'm talking about. 
The, the, the fifth one is the invite, invitational, invite somebody. You invite them to church, but invite them to have a relationship with Christ. And then service orientation. Like I said, the mobile market yesterday, I have a chance to stand out there and as people are leaving and just tell them, God bless you. And we're praying for you. And we love you. And that's why we do this. So that's service-oriented. That's why Rayford Hope is so successful. We have people that, uh, that Rayford Hope goes out and gives food to that want to come to Generations Church. Some of them have come. And I believe that they'll be even come even more. That's service-oriented. Next slide, I'm going to end with this one. You know, I said, and this one was very interesting. I, I came across this article. It says, eight easy ways to be missional. And I shared it with our home life group. And Peter, I don't know where Peter's at, he's here somewhere. But he suggested, why don't you mail that out to him? So I did mail it out to our, our home life group. When you talk about missional, it's the same thing. Every place we live is a mission field. Every place we go is a mission field. We got to recognize on your job, it's a mission field. Your, your family is a mission field. Your neighborhood is a mission field. Schools are a mission field. We got to recognize. And so when you talk about missional, that's mission, that's evangelism. It's the same thing. But I just came across and said, this is easy things that you can do to begin to be missional or evangelistic in nature. It says missional, I'm going to read this almost word for word. Missional is not an event that we tack onto our already busy lives. It is our life. Mission should be the way that we live, not something we add onto our life. As you go, make disciples, walk wisely toward outsiders, let your speech always be seasoned with salt. Be prepared to give a defense for your hope. We can have a missional lifestyle in everyday ways without overloading our schedules. Then he says, here's eight suggestions. Eat with non-believers. Christians love to eat. Look at me. You can tell I love to eat. And I love to eat with other believers. And I like to have fellowship with them as we're eating. But here's what he says. Eat with non-believers. We all eat three meals a day. Why not make a habit of sharing one of those meals with a non-Christian or a family of non-Christians? Go to lunch with coworkers, not by yourself. Invite the neighbors over for a family dinner. If it's too much work to cook a big dinner, just order pizza and put the focus on conversation. When you go out for a meal, invite others or take the family to a family-style restaurant where you can sit at the table with strangers and strike up conversations. Cook out and invite Christians and non-Christians, flee the Christian subculture. But what he's saying, become, develop a relationship with somebody. The person that's a non-Christian, develop that relationship, and then I guarantee you there will be an opportunity to share the good news with them at some point. The second one, he says, walk, don't drive. This is a good one for exercise too. He says, if you live in a walkable area, make a practice of getting out and walking around your neighborhood, apartment complex or campus. Instead of driving to the mailbox, convenience store or apartment office, walk to get your mail, groceries and stuff. Be deliberate in your walk. Say hello to the people you don't know. Strike up conversations. Attract attention by walking the dog. Bring the kids. Make friends. Get out of your house. Take interest in the neighbors. Ask questions. Pray as you go. You can save some gas, the planet, and some people at the same time. Number three, be regular. Instead of hopping all over the city for gas, groceries, or haircuts, 
eating out and coffee, go to the same places. And this is what I do. Go to the same places. Get to know the staff. Get, go to the pl- same places at the same time. Smile, ask questions, be a regular. Have friends at coffee shops. He says, I have friends at coffee shops all over the city. My friends at Starbucks donate a ton of leftovers, pastries to our church two or three times a week. And we could use those, those items together occasionally and give to homeless. Build relationships. Be a regular. Number four, hobby with non-Christians. Pick a hobby that you can share. Get out and do something you enjoy with others. Try city league sports, local rowing and cycling teams. Share your hobby or teaching lessons. Teach sewing lessons, piano lessons, violin, guitar, knitting, and tennis lessons. Be prayerful. Be intentional. Be winsome. Have fun. Be yourself. Build a relationship. Number five, talk to your coworkers. How hard is that? Take your breaks with intentionality. Go out with your team or task force after work. Show interest in your coworkers. Pick four and pray for them. Form mom groups in your neighborhood and don't make them exclusive Christian. You know, offer it to non-Christians as well. Schedule play dates with the neighbor's kids. Work on mission. Volunteer with nonprofits. Find a nonprofit in your part of the city. Take a, a Saturday a month to serve our city. Bring your neighbors, your friends, or your small group. Spend time with your church serving your city once a month. You can do that at Mobile Market if you want. Just ask me and I'll tell you. You can do it. Participate in city events instead of playing Xbox, watching TV, or surfing the net. Participate in city events. Go to fundraiser, festivals, clean up, uh, cleans up uh, summer shows and concerts. Participate as part of a missional lifestyle. Strike up a conversation, study the culture, be reflective of what you see and hear. Pray for your city, love the city, participate with the city. And then the last one, serve your neighbors. Help a neighbor by weeding, mowing, building a cabinet, fixing a car. Stop by the neighborhood association or apartment office and ask if there's anything you can do to help improve things. Ask your local police and fire station if there's anything that you can do to help them. Get creative, just serve. Then he goes on to say, don't make the mistake of making missional another thing to add to your schedule. Instead, pursue a missional lifestyle by making your existing schedule missional. That's all. It's simple. Evangelism is not scary. Evangelism is not something that, to shy away from. Evangelism is God's heart. You go out and you share what God has done in your life and the difference that he has made in your life. And I pray that you'll take this message today and that you'll sit there and say, you know what? I have a new life now. God has given me a new life. A new start, fresh start. I'm going to do something with it. It's just not me and my family and my church family. I'm going to go out and begin to share the good news of what Christ has done for me. Amen. I pray that you do that. I'm going to pray right now and then we'll end this service. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand up in front of these people and just to share my heart about evangelism. God, I just pray that it will go into their heart. It is something that they'll not shy away from, but it's something that they will want to make a difference in somebody else's life. God, it takes relationships. Help us all build relationships with non-Christians so that we can then begin to share Jesus Christ with them to make a difference in their life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. I thank my pastors for asking me to share this morning and to do this. And uh, you've been great out there. I hope that you will take this and listen to it. And just, you know, let it uh, feed you and then make a difference in somebody's life. It's easy. 
And it's all you have to do is share what Christ has done for you. So why don't you stand to your feet? If you need prayer for anything in your life, a physical area, emotional area, or whatever it might be. Also, if you're here as a visitor and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that I've been talking about, it's a great opportunity for you to come forward with one of these prayer partners. They'll be glad to pray with you and just introduce Jesus Christ to you. And it'll make such a difference. I want to thank you for coming by. You can go to lunch now, but go grab somebody who's not part of your Christian group and say, hey, come to lunch with us. And we just want to begin to have a relationship with you. All right. God bless you. I love you. See you next time.